0: It's AFM Sports Rackers.
1: Good evening to you, welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap this evening, it is a Wednesday evening and I'm Brad Brown, with you until 7 o'clock tonight, thanks to, to the MoneyWeb team they are back again tomorrow evening, coming up on tonight's show, we'll preview your UEFA Champions League action with Irfan Adam and look back at what happened last night we'll also chat Netball with the CEO of Netball South Africa, Blanche De La Guerra we'll look ahead to this weekend Super Rugby action with uh, Tank Lanning and uh, a whole lot more as well, but let's look at some of the stories making News headlines. And we start with football. Kaiser Chiefs' Willard Cut Sunday and Mamelodi Sundowns' Schlompok Kekana were named Player of the Month for January and February, respectively. While Mamelodi Sundowns coach Pizzo Mossemani claimed yet another back-to-back uh, Premiership Coach of the Month award. Following the international break, the Ned Bank Cup round of 16. The Premiership Premiership kicks off this weekend. Uh, looking ahead, uh, Orlando Pirates get uh, the weekend underway on, uh, at 8 o'clock on Saturday evening. And uh, yeah, they should all uh, we'll be hoping to pick up where they left off before the break. On to rugby. Stormers coach Robbie Fleck has made seven changes, including two positional switches for the clash against the Sunwolves. Jean-Luc Duplessis will earn his starting debut at fly half. He replaces Kurt Coleman, who misses the rest of the Super Rugby season due to injury. David Delander named on the bench. Bad news, Ivan Ibanezabeth is out for four to six weeks. That, as he recovers from his calf injury, he is replaced by J.D. Sickling. The Bulls also announced their team to play the Kings on Saturday. S.P. Moraes starts at fullback. Jesse Creel moves to outside centre. And Pat Lambie has returned to training. It's good news for the Sharks as he continues to recover from his shoulder injury. In Sevens news, Blitzbock Philip Snaman will become the ninth South African to reach the milestone of 35 World Rugby Seven Series tournaments, that when he runs out. So for the Blitzbocker this weekend, the Hong Kong Sevens. In athletics news, Kenya's leading woman marathon runner, Gladys Cherono has been forced to pull out of this month's London Marathon due to an injury dashing her hopes of competing in the Rio Olympic Games. And... Uh, we have a very happy boxing birthday to report today as well. Willie Tawil, one of the legends of South African boxing, celebrating his 82nd birthday today. Tawil is the oldest living South African champion and the only surviving member of the famous Fighting Tawils. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Wrap, we'll chat some brutal fruit Premier League netball with Blanche De La SAFM Sports Rap. You're listening to South Africa's News and Information Leader. One of the sporting codes in South Africa, and it's one of the biggest sporting codes in South Africa, It doesn't get too much attention in the media and should because uh, the last couple of years they've been doing some amazing things. And uh, I'm talking netball and in particular about uh, the Brutal Fruits uh, Netball Premier League. It gets underway this coming Friday and uh, it's into its third edition and there have been some uh, brilliant changes, I think, to the format of the tournament. I think it's uh, only going to do good things for netball. In South Africa, we're joined by the CEO of Netball South Africa, Blanche Delaguerre. Blanche, welcome! Thanks for for joining us this evening. Uh, welcome! Nice to nice to chat again. This is this is good news. This change in format, I think, it's it's going to do wonders for netball in this country.
2: Yes, absolutely, and thank you for for taking time to talk about us. Yes, I think it's it's great. It was needed. We need um, uh, more time for our players on on court. We need competitive netball. We need. More than 12 pro tiers to to be in that position. Now we have 180 um, best players in our country um, competing against one another.
1: Let's talk about the changes, uh, and and they are they're not minor changes. These are pretty big. Obviously, things from a from a format of the competition perspective, things have changed. All the teams now in one pool, which I I think is is good. That everyone gets to play everyone. So the good side, oh, the good teams get to play the the teams that aren't so good. And the only way you are going to get better is by playing better opposition. Am I correct in saying that?
2: You are so correct, and you're actually hitting the nail on the head because that is what happened. We thought encouraging. The other provinces, I would say the smaller provinces, not so strong provinces, they really went out there and started to look for the best players in their province, um, which um, give opportunity to players that normally not identified or get the opportunity to play. So yes, and they've been training so hard and they now know that they have to not end last.
1: Yeah, it all works part of a, a round-robin sort of system, and it's uh, it's been expanded, as opposed to five weeks, it's now going to be played over eight weeks, so there's a lot more competitive netball over a longer period of time, which again, is good for the sport.
3: You're
2: so right, Brad. You know, we, we had a long discussion at the World Cup with with other countries, and Norma Plummer, you know, she's such an experienced person, netball person, not alone um, a coach, and we we normally, you know, I I... I compare our um, competition schedule with other countries and I realized that we don't play less international matches than than Australia and New Zealand and they yet they are so um, good. So I've discussed that um issue and and um my um experience with, with Norma Plummer and she said yes, what they're doing they create more opportunity within their countries. So we decided that is what we're going to do. It's really an expensive um uh, competition for us at the moment, but we had to do it. You know, we had to do it. Once we're in it and once we, we get the buy-in of all the provinces and we get the support of the provincial governments, which, which we desperately need to make the, the netball grow in the province, then we're giving them something to, to work for. And we're giving them something to be proud of. And that's their netball team. It is the biggest sport. It is the most... Um, uh, uh popular sport amongst women and little girls. The idea in the provinces, to for little girls to see that, yes, they, for me there's a pathway. I can play for my district one day, I can play for my province one day, and I can play recreational, I can go into the administration of Netball and maybe I'll be a protea.
1: Yeah, I love it, and and the good news too is it's going to be taken across the country this year as well. It's going to be played across uh, three of the major centres: Pretoria, uh, Johannesburg, as well as Durban. So that's good news as well. And so then, as as far as the the sort of plans long term, you, you talk about wanting to extend and expand this thing. Is the goal eventually to to turn fully professional? Is that the idea that this league would support and and as you say, 180 players? Is that ideally what you're aiming for as Netball South Africa?
2: But, you know, we, we want to compete against the top countries. Now, they do have more time, player-wise. Players get more time to train. If you look at the history of our and the personal lives of our netball, top netball players, you will see they are dedicated um, employers or students, and they have a life outside netball. But netball is their passion. Netball is their sport. Like any cricketer or rugby player, for that matter, we um, as next South Africa, we feel that we need a competition where we can contract players to give them that opportunity, like we we had now over the last two years sending um, a few of our players to to England for their um, championship. They have the the privilege of training every day getting the the sports science advantage getting um top coaching advantage getting um uh, the opportunity to be in a gym most of the time and that is what we would like to to be able to do if we can do that um contract our players and pay them a decent fee to do what they do best in life and to and then after that if if their time is over to give back to the country and to other, um, girls and, and ladies, you know, to follow the same path. Yes, that's, that's the real, the, 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 the need for this opportunity, uh, for this uh, brutal fruit Nepal Premier League, um, was basically born out of need to, to, to give our players a contract and, and start paying them a decent fee.
1: Well, I think there are exciting times ahead for South African netball. It all gets underway this coming Friday at the Heartfelt Arena in Pretoria. First match is the Gauteng Jaguars taking uh, taking on the Free State uh, Craniums and uh, Limpopo Bobabs up against the Mpumalanga Sunbirds. Uh, CEO of Netball South Africa, Blanche Deleguera. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Best of luck and we look forward to chatting throughout the duration of the tournament to find out exactly how it's going. Thanks for your time tonight.
2: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource.
1: You're listening to SAFM Sports Wrap, and what a fantastic night of football it was last night. There's another one to look forward to this evening, talking UEFA Champions League now, and uh, we join once again by football journalist Erfan Adam. Erfan, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks for joining us tonight.
4: You're welcome, and uh, you called it what a brilliant night of joy for Champions League football, and it's something we've been uh, accustomed to over the past few seasons when it comes to the latter stages of the competition.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm pretty impressed. I, I put some pressure on you last night to, to call results, and you got them both spot on. So well done. Before we look at tonight's clashes, let's look at last night. Uh, and there was uh, a fantastic, fantastic game of football last night. 2-1 at uh, the margin of victory. And uh, it was uh, Atletico Madrid going up a goal, and uh, Barcelona coming back thanks to two from Luis Suarez. I mean, words fail me. It was a magnificent game of football.
4: Yeah, and Liverpool fans must be cringing given the fact that both men used to play for them in here. They are doing the business in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So yeah, uh, that's just a little jab to Liverpool fans. But, uh, in, in any case, we saw the best and worst of Torres. I mean, after scoring that simply magnificent goal through the legs of Marc-Andre just Stegen. He goes and gets himself sent off, which uh, was essentially shooting Atletico in the foot. And from then, it was all Barcelona. The way Atleti soaked up pressure and to, to lose by just uh, two goals to one uh, is quite an achievement because I, for one, expected Barcelona to kind of steamroll them. We know Atletico Madrid have uh, grown in leaps and bounds when it comes to com- a continental competition. Uh, but having lost a few key players and with a number of their stars being injured and aging, I certainly didn't think there'd be a match for Barcelona. But having said that, uh, the magic of the MSN, mm-hmm. uh, Suarez might have scored the double, but uh, Neymar and Messi certainly had their moments, and it was just a matter of time before the damn wall cracked. So certainly a good result for both teams. The tie certainly evenly balanced Atletico with the away goal in
1: Barcelona with a 2-1 two- advantage. Yeah, I think that. Uh return leg is going to be one that you're going to have to watch and, and would you think Atletico's performance last night would have would have not scared Barcelona but would have made them sit up and go hang on a sec these guys aren't, aren't to walk over. I
4: don't think it would have surprised Barcelona given the fact that Atletico have built up a sort of reputation of being this uh, little I wouldn't say little chihuahua but the dog that's constantly gnawing at your ankles So, uh, yeah, they certainly put up a brave performance. Uh, Antoine Griezmann, I thought, was uh, a bit disappointing. He's been their go-to guy for most parts of the season. Uh, But once again, Fernando Torres showing that he's still got a bit of gas left in the tank.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other class last night was uh, Bayern Munich up against Benfica. 1-0 at home, the the margin of victory. Arturo Vidal's header uh, securing that win for Bayern. Uh, not really a surprise that results, Al- although 1-0, Benfica will still fill the end with a shot going going home for the second leg.
4: You know, prior to the kickoff, Pep Guardiola lauded the Benfica defense. He certainly <laughs> praised them it, it was something unheard of from Pep Guardiola because he's usually a measured kind of guy who would talk mostly about his team rather than the opponent's. And uh, the Benfica defense certainly came out shining. I was particularly impressed with Renato Sanchez, who I mentioned yesterday was linked with the move to Manchester United. Certainly held his own in the Benfica midfield against uh, players such as Philippe Lam, Arturo Vidal, as well as uh, Thomas Muller later on. But uh yeah, also certainly evenly balanced. And remember last season, Bayern Munich traveled to Portugal and lost 3-1 away at FC Porto.
1: Yeah, indeed. Let's take a look at tonight's clashes, though. PSG up against Man City. It's going to be a fantastic game of football. Both teams uh, will be—I don't want to say desperate for the win, but they'd like to get off on on the right foot tonight. And and uh, I suspect we might see fireworks this evening.
4: I'd like to call this one the Battle of the Billionaires because 10 years ago, who would have imagined the Champions League quarter final between PSG and Manchester City? I was looking at the starting lineups from 10 years ago and PSG had a guy by the name of Pauleta who was Portugal's top goal scorer up until the emergence of a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. And uh, Man City's line was being led by none other than Darius Fussell. But certainly the ambition showed by their owners, Cochran uh, Scottman, to this level. And... Um, uh, like I said, it would be a landmark occasion for both of these teams to make it to the semi-finals. So certainly a lot to play for. Uh, PSG have been there before in the 94-95 season; they made it to the semi-finals, and this is the first ever UEFA Champions League quarter-final for Manchester City. But uh, we know they've been at the, on the fringes over the past few seasons, and the draws haven't been too kind to them. Uh, but this is certainly one that would see them take a step I would say into the next level of european football.
1: Yeah, uncharted territory obviously they've spent a lot of money on that squad and uh, they'll be expecting to to go further but uh, hey you, you can't fault a team who's who's the last two seasons have have been knocked out in the last 16 and they've gone a step further now. I, I know they would like to go further but uh, I think it's been a pretty good run for them so far. Yeah,
4: definitely and uh, given the the margins of uh, a defeat PSG uh, have lost to against Real Madrid during the group stages, shows that they're not that far off. uh, They've certainly got the squad the envy of European football, and I think uh, put them in a different league, and they also have no such issues uh, winning titles. But yeah, definitely for them, as well as Manchester City, we know that they... And that the domestic campaign hasn't been going according to plans and the announcement of Pep Guardiola taking over from Manuel Pellegrini earlier in the season uh, could have been seen as a potential bump in the road. But yeah, uh, get them into the to fi- uh, the semifinals of the Champions League rather, and Pellegrini's legacy would be there to stay at Manchester City no matter what Pep Guardiola achieves.
1: Let's talk about the other one. Uh, They offer a win over Barcelona this past weekend in El Clásico at uh, the Bernabeu. They welcome Wolfsburg. Uh, You reckon Real Madrid will be too strong in this one? Yeah,
4: definitely. So Wolfsburg have been up and down throughout the season. And uh, also uncharted territory for them. It's just their second adventure into the the Champions League and this is the furthest they've gone. But uh, if I know... It means any pushover. They've got uh, talented players such as Julian Draxler, who's capable of taking apart many a uh, talented defender, as well as the giant patch striker, Bustost. Uh, who lit up the Bundesliga scoring charts last season. He hasn't been as formidable as he was last season This during this campaign, but uh, Wolfsburg with plenty of quality, as of course is André Schürrle and uh, Luis Gustavo, who's patrolling the midfield. Real Madrid, uh, their classical victory might just be the spark that reignites their the season. They've uh, closed the gap domestically. I think they trail Atletico Madrid in second by just a solitary point, and who knows? That Classical victory could power them to an eleventh European title.
1: Well, you got it spot on last night when I asked you to put your neck on the block. I'm going to press you to do it again tonight. Give us, uh, give us your your predictions for the two clashes this evening.
4: I'm calling Real Madrid to win by nine goals to nil, and PSG and Manchester City to share the spoils in a seven-all draw.
1: No fun. That's. <laughs> I think we'll just leave it at that. You've got to take this thing seriously. Like Real Madrid 9-0, I was like, maybe he's been serious the other one. You're crazy. Enjoy the football tonight, and uh, we look forward to catching up again soon. I
4: look forward to our next uh, chat and my next prediction.
1: (laughs) I think I need to stop asking those questions. (laughs) Have fun, Adam. Take care, mate. You're welcome. You're listening to Sport on SAFM. The next best thing to being at the game. Well, we stay with football now, and uh, our national senior women's team are going to be in action this coming week—a uh, two-legged affair as they take on our neighbours Botswana for uh, to try and claim a spot at the 2016 African Women's Championship. And we join now by the coach Vera Power. Vera, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap. Nice to nice to chat. It's been a while. Welcome back. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: Welcome, Vera. It, it must be nice to be back in uh, sort of competitive action. The team's in camp at the moment, but it's uh, it's been a while since you, you've had any competitive football. If my memory serves me correctly, it's been about five months now. Is it difficult to get back into the swing of things and, and get the team up for for a clash of this magnitude?
3: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, we have trained a lot, so that helps. But competitive matches you can you cannot um train in a different way than on the pitch against uh another opponent in a in a competition. So uh, we're very happy that we're finally back in and um we did play Cameroon, which helps us also, uh last week, but the competitiveness is something that you cannot well, as you say, you cannot train, you just have to do it. Um so I think we will be ready but it is not easy to get ready to play to win instead of to play to develop.
1: No Botswana are no strangers we, we played them last year in the All Africa games qualifiers we beat them six0 on aggregate is it going be are you expecting a similar sort of challenge or, or do you think it will be be a lot closer this time? Well
3: last time uh, we won only one hero away from home and that was a lucky win to be honest. Uh, at home, the 5-0 score did not really reflect the strength Because Botswana is actually developing very, very fast And they have, um, like many other African teams Big, strong players that are fast and very direct So we are absolutely aware of the fact That we have to be uh, in our best game To, uh, to uh, get a good result out of this And we must get a good result Because we must play um, uh, final tournament to develop uh, not only to, to start to win those games, but for the future of women's football, it's absolutely crucial that we will qualify. So in our preparations to the Olympic Games, we've taken this month completely, uh, let's say, out of the program and have a, a separate program. Because what I said, uh, training to develop for later results is completely different than training to get a result now. And um, we're getting into that, it looks good, it looks good, Um, so I'm confident that we will be as ready as possible on Saturday.
1: Vera, it's an interesting year, you, you mentioned the Olympic Games and, and we have qualified it, it's also a challenge to have that, where, where like you say, you're playing for now, you, you, you need to qualify it's two matches coming up in, in the next uh, less than a week, basically in Botswana on Saturday and then Tembisa on, on Tuesday, but you still do have that Rio Olympic Games hanging over your head and, and what you do now is going to impact that campaign as well Is it? I mean, what are you doing to sort of tie the two together, the players must be pretty excited because there is a big carrot being dangled in one of them this year
3: mm-hmm. it, it is true but that is why in the whole planning we've taken this this month completely out of of the aims that we said um, because um, before this month it was all to be to get better today than you were yesterday individually but everything in teamwork this month is how are we going to beat Botswana And then after Botswana, the draw will be set because that's on the 14th of April. And then we know which countries we will have in our group. And from that moment, we are going to develop to play those teams. So that is the way that we've been dealing with this, let's say, problem. It's a luxury problem, but it can be a problem. Uh, So at this moment, we do not talk about the Olympics. It's out of our minds. um, And we come back to that after these games because, again, we must qualify. There's no... There's no other way around. We have to qualify for the development of the game in the future.
1: You, you mentioned the tour and, and the clashes against Cameroon, even though they were friendlies and, and not on a competitive, uh, sort of front. It, it was a good performance by South Africa. From a squad perspective, you, you've kept continuity, mm-hmm. uh, from that tour to, to, to this, uh, sort of outing. The, the only real change, I think, is, is the, the call-up for goalkeeper, your, uh, your, your Lula Tsawe, mm-hmm. who, who yeah. replaces with Dlamini. Does that make a big difference in the squad, or are you pretty comfortable with the continuity that you've developed?
3: No, we um, unfortunately we had one injury, and um, it was not so much an outfield player that I wanted to see again, but this goalkeeper that I wanted to see again. So um, that's the only reason that we brought in the goalkeeper. Not not so much to make changes in in it. Uh, there was a place open. We are looking in that sense ahead, and we have to have the best players in as possible. Um, and we wanted to see her again, so that is why she's in the camp at this moment because we have a
1: place open. Fantastic. Vera Power, coach of Banyana Banyana, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Best of luck on Saturday. Please pass on our best for the thank team as much. well, and the return leg. We'll be covering will the be matches. matches live here on SAFM as well, so make sure you stay tuned thank South Africa's news and information leader. Vera, thank you for your time. Much appreciated, and all the best.
3: Thank you
1: so much, and thank you for supporting us all the time. SAFM Sports Wrap. It's time to shift our focus now to rugby, and uh, joining us, uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago uh, about Super Rugby, and uh, joining us from FrontrowGrant.co.za is Tank Lanning. Tank, welcome onto SAFM Sports Ramp. Welcome back. Nice to, nice to chat once again.
0: Yeah, Brad, always good to
1: chat to you. Nice to be here. Tank, the last time we spoke, we were, we were joking about the, the format and the, the pool system. Have, I haven't yet. Have you been able to figure this thing out yet? <laughs> I haven't. <But> the, <laughs> one <thing> I have,
0: <laughs> the one thing I have noticed, though, is that perhaps we made too much of it. You know, it's got such a bad rap to start with. But um, realistically, you don't really know, need to know what's going on. You know, you just watch the rugby every weekend. You know, Monday, you're going to have a look and see who's top of the log. It doesn't really matter who's
1: playing who. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of made it simple for myself. <laughs> I love that. Tank, let's let's take a look at some of the, the actions to look forward to this weekend. The Stormers uh, are playing the, the Sun Wolves on paper, a, a match that they should win fairly easily at Newlands. But they are struggling injury-wise. Uh, a couple of big names and, and big omissions. The first, obviously, being Ibn Etzebeth. I mean, he's picked up a calf injury. It sounded a bit innocuous to start with, but it looks like he's going to be out for four to six weeks.
0: Yeah, sure, but And he has been playing exceptionally well. So, yeah, that, that is a bit of a blow. But, you know, to a step Troy, JD Schicklinger, for me, is a really exciting young player. So, you know, I think he'll step into the breach there. But, um, you know, with due respect to the Sunwolves, um, you know, they haven't won a game yet. Um, you, know, as, you know, elsewhere, the, the, the injury crisis is probably a little bit bigger. That's a fly-off. You know, they've lost Robert Tupia and now also lost Coleman. And uh, I, there's a lot of talk about Jean-Luc to, to see Carles, Carles, uh Lighty. But um, he hasn't started yet, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a big test for the Stormers side.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to mention the, the the fly-offs, because the Stormers, and it's not just this season, it's something they've struggled with uh, for for a while now. That they they just seem to to pick up serious injuries in that uh, in their fly-off berth. It's almost cursed.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that it is, you know. And in the past, I've, <laughs> I've actually questioned their their preseason and perhaps questioned how they how their uh, conditioned players. But my word i, I just think this is, a, is is a little bit unlucky i mean it's it's really tricky to to to, to uh, sort of blame this on any sort of conditioning program yeah they've just been unlucky and um yeah the one thing I do like about rob flick is that he he seems to grow in confidence every week and you know him choosing to put Colby on on the basically as as the fly off backup I think that's also incredibly exciting so look it could go totally uh, pe but I think it's a it's slightly you know, it's a, a nice sort of phase for them to go through.
1: Yeah. Let's look at the other two two big games from a South African perspective this weekend, two two local derbies. The first one is is going to be mouthwatering. It's taking place in Durban. It's the Sharks up against the Lions. Uh let's be honest, the Sharks were rubbish last season. They they look like they've turned things around, they're looking pretty good. The Lions uh have, have played phenomenal rugby this season in patches. They've uh, looked a bit sketchy at other times, but that should be a, a wonderful game of rugby on Saturday.
0: Yeah, that's an absolute humdinger. As uh, as Ben and Fenter put it, it's the litmus test, I think, for the Lions. Um, You know, it's a a classic case, without using cliches, of unbelievable defence against unbelievable attack. So, you know, the Lions, as you say, they've become everyone's sort of um, second best side because they play such a great brand of rugby, and long may that continue. However, they are rivaling the Cheetahs for the the turnstiles of the tournament. You know, they've, they've, they've missed a lot of tackles. Whereas the Sharks haven't played much rugby. You know, the ball doesn't get past uh S. A. much at the at, at first center. Uh Joe Peterson's doing quite nicely at, at fly off and they just defend themselves into into games. Um, you know, unbelievable how they stayed in that game against the Crusaders. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a big, big matchup of one side playing an rugby a big defense against a a side who's gonna try and play a little bit of rugby.
1: A team who, who everyone sort of wrote off before the start of the season, it's amazing that uh, they, they're able to field a team with everything that's been going on off the pitch, uh, is the Kings. They welcome the Bulls this weekend at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium. They off their first win, uh, they, they picked up a win last weekend, and I think they'll be confident. But uh, a bull side, again, who's on paper, they look good, but they've, they've struggled at times this season. They could have their hands full this weekend.
0: Yeah, look. I mean, I think they'll probably have enough in the tank to to, to get past the Kings. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the Kings have just shown so much heart and character and and guts, and it's been awesome to watch. And uh, I think a real, real rising star there is CJ Lam their open side flank. Uh, you know, his steps are comparable with like a Dave Pocock or, or a Sam Kane. Really, really uh, fantastic to watch. And uh, yeah, so, so they are solid enough bunch. Um, I thought the Bulls. Almost lost it against the Cheetahs, you know, they started so solidly, uh, but the scrum just disintegrated, and, you know, if the Cheetahs hadn't made so many mistakes, they probably would have won that game. So, yeah, a little bit low on confidence, um, in D.E., you know, away from Fortis Loftus, but I still think they'll probably have enough.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic weekend of, of rugby. Looking forward to it. Tank Lanning, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for, for your insights. And uh, if you want to find out more about uh, Tank's writings, read it up. You can go to frontgro- uh, frontrogrunt.co.ca. That's the website. Uh, Tank, thanks a lot. We look forward to catching up again soon. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. Good man, Brad. You too. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, that's uh, just about it for SAFM Sports trap this evening. I'm pretty excited. Uh, big golf to look forward to this weekend. The 2016 Masters gets underway. Uh, it sort of gets underway shortly as uh, the Par 3 tournament uh, gets started. And as we all know, uh, no one who's ever won that Par 3 tournament has gone on to win the Green Jacket on Sunday. So I, I don't know if the players try and avoid it. But uh, it should be interesting to watch how that goes down uh, later on tonight. But then looking ahead at some of the pairings uh, for the round one that will start tomorrow. The first pairing and it's always a a sort of ceremonial pairing. pairing or, or threesome and uh, the players who will be kicking things off tomorrow Arnold Palmer, Gary Player and Jack Nicklaus, how's that for uh, a three ball fantastic and then just looking at uh, some of the later ones, Martin Keimer, Bull Haas, Roy McIlroy and uh, yeah, it should be a fantastic weekend of golf. Charles Swartzel is going to be paired up with Davis Love III, Rafael Cabrera Bello uh, also in that three ball, we'll be keeping you up to date throughout the weekend uh, as the 2016 Masters gets underway, it's been a long time since a European won it, let's hope for South Africa can don that green jacket. But, uh, yeah, make sure you stay tuned to SAFM over the next four days to find out exactly what happens at the Augusta National. Coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the Talk Shop. I'm Brad Brown, back again on Tuesday, taking the weekend off, heading down to Port Elizabeth for Ironman South Africa. Looking forward to that. We'll chat on Tuesday. And uh, standing in for me over the next few days will be Dwayne DeLock of the PSL radio show. Sekonjalo returns tomorrow. We'll have more sport tomorrow morning on AM Live. Uh, Until I return on Tuesday... Have yourself a great weekend, and we'll chat soon.